For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Texas, Arizona, the fall classic is here. Now, if you at the start of the season had gone to Bet Online Sportsbook, used our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, and gotten your 50% welcome bonus using the link in the description to this episode, you could have gotten the Texas Rangers at plus 5,000 to win the World Series and the Arizona Diamondbacks at plus 6,600 as world champions. Diamondbacks had the 25th best odds. Texas had the 20th best odds. If you want to take a stab at the World Series now, bet online sportsbook, use our promo code BLEAVE to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night, however, and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping on into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy Podcast, live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast, and podcasts aren't live. That's the whole purpose of this fun-filled podcast thing. You can listen however and whenever it is that you so choose, and we greatly appreciate that you have decided to stop in however and whenever it is that you may be choosing Welcome, 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 everybody. It's our NFL Monday once again. It's NFL Monday, week eight and a half, week eight in the NFL, week nine in the college football world. It's spooky season. We won't have an actual podcast on the spookiest of spooky days in the spooky season, but it's October 30th, 2023, according to my count. And I'm just so glad that you all are here to enjoy the show with us today. No big picture topic that I have off the bat here, so we're just going to kind of spend this topic, spend this segment going around the NFL and uh, one story in the college world I want to touch on. Uh, we're going to have a uh, a eulogy for the worst game of the entire NFL season. We're going to do that a little bit later in the show. Also, we're going to talk a little bit about. DeAndre Hopkins and those Tennessee Titans. We got uh, some some conversation about them later on in the show as well. Kicking it off here, there were just a, a few things on my mind that I wanted to get off my chest. First and foremost, I know that Kansas City put an absolute stinker up on the road against Denver. One, 
I didn't watch it. It's what we call the fourth game out of four on the NFL Red Zone channel. By the way, the NFL Red Zone afternoon had four games. They had two fourth games this week. They had the Cardinals playing at home and the Broncos playing at home. And anytime you see Cardinals playing at home, Broncos playing at home, or Raiders playing at home in the afternoon block of a Red Zone, that means it is a it is a weak slate for the Red Zone game. They give you four games, and two of them happen to be a team playing at the Cardinals and a team playing at the Denver Broncos. Usually, I'm used to the Broncos losing those games, but the Broncos, for some reason, beat the Packers last week, and then they were dominating Kansas City on Sunday, which was really... I mean, they weren't dominating. They were just having an ill Patrick Mahomes look like he was playing with an illness. Number two takeaway for me on the weekend is this. Uh, Mike Tomlin is going to drive me insane. The Pittsburgh Steelers are going to drive me insane because for like three weeks we've been talking on this podcast. Like once a week, it's been the most frequent topic that we've brought up on this podcast, how the Pittsburgh Steelers probably haven't won a game all season that they deserve to win like unless I'm missing a game I they were four and two and every single game felt like they deserved to lose because they had zero first downs in the first half like they had today or on Sunday we're recording this in between the Sunday night football and the end of the afternoon games but like they did on Sunday like they had back on the game against Baltimore where Baltimore was clearly better than them the entire game. They had like 300 yards of offense and none of it mattered. Baltimore just went right down the field, turned it over time and time again. And you looked up, it was 17, 10. And I don't understand how the final score was 17, 10 like Pittsburgh is the most confounding team. Even last week against the Rams, even last week it was like, Hey, they are, not able to move the football and somehow have 31 points like nothing about the and by the way a a shady ball spot at the end of the game was the reason that they ended up winning like just absolutely ridiculous how the, the Pittsburgh Steelers have played all season and the whole way through the game between Jacksonville and Pittsburgh I just kept thinking Tomlin's gonna bullshit his way to a win because Jacksonville had 200 more yards of offense than Pittsburgh, and it was 9-3 to in the third quarter. They had the ball in the red zone five times before Pittsburgh recorded a single first down. Pittsburgh didn't record a first down until the very last drive of the second quarter. And when they did drive down the field, they got a field goal out of it. Like, Pittsburgh didn't have a first down until Jacksonville was in the red zone four times. None of it made any sense. And I just kept thinking, I don't understand Pittsburgh, but I'm doing everything I can to try and understand how Pittsburgh pulls out these bullshit games. And oh, by the way, you know how it got even more confusing? Kenny Pickett injured his ribs. Kenny Pickett, who again didn't have a first down and should have thrown a pick six in the first quarter because he just straight missed Deontay Johnson. The Jaguars corner had the pick untouched into the end zone and he just dropped it just straight dropped a pick six that would have put him up 10-0 and they would have been up 20-0 before Pittsburgh ever recorded a first down Kenny Pickett went out of that game 
Mitchell Trubisky came in, and all of a sudden they just started scoring and scoring, and Mitchell Trubisky was 5 for 6 for 75 yards and a touchdown, and it's just complete bullshit because you know Mitchell Trubisky is Mitchell Trubisky. We've seen what he looks like in this offense, and it just didn't matter because the Pittsburgh Steelers came out and just started pulling off all sorts of crazy bullshit in order to keep themselves in that football game. And I just kept thinking the whole way, Pittsburgh's going to win this. Pittsburgh's going to win this. I'm just, I've just been conditioned to think that this team is just magical and Mike Tomlin's voodoo magic is going to win the game no matter what the outcome or circumstance. Just the most bullshit football team in the NFL. And the whole way, I've just got... Mike Tomlin's driving me insane because the whole way I just assumed they'd pull out this game that they had no business of winning. A game against a Jacksonville team that might be the second best team in the AFC. Like, I know they did it against Baltimore. I know they did it against Cleveland. I know they did it against the Rams last week. A Rams team that just got shellacked by the Cowboys. and A team, a Rams team I thought was going to be good and is now 3-5 and five and looking like their season's just about wrapped up. And they just might be selling off some parts at the end of the season. Like, all of it is so dumb. All of it is so ridiculous with the Steelers. The Jaguars might be the second best team in the AFC. They're 0-3 against Kansas City since they started going on this run. But if you take out the games that they played against Kansas City, I think Jacksonville now is 15-1 and in their last... It's going back to last October. They're 15-1 and in non-Kansas City games at this point. Like, Jacksonville's a really, really good football team, and I still thought the Mike Tomlin voodoo magic was going to come through and steal a game away. So that's my biggest takeaway of the weekend, okay? Mike Tomlin's going to drive me certifiably insane trying to figure out how the hell the Pittsburgh Steelers, despite having an offense that can't pick up a first down, feels like it has negative 15 passing yards every single game, trying to figure out how that team ended up going 5-2 and two and beating two of the best teams in the AFC and the Jaguars in Baltimore. I was just going to go insane thinking Mike Tomlin was going to pull a game out of his ass once again. I swear the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to drive me insane by the time this season ends of how they're going to end up 9-8 and eight at the end of this while having the 30th ranked offense in the NFL. <laughs> Start spreading the news I'm leaving today I want to be a part of it New York, New York These vagabond shoes Are longing to stray Right through the very heart of it All right. There's not really that many eulogies to knock out this week. We we did a couple last week talking about the Raiders and the Bears, and it was fitting that both of those teams were playing each other. But uh, this week, the, the New York Jets were playing against the New York football Giants, the Battle of New York. 
A game that, by the way, can I just say is absolutely disgusting? Like, I'm throwing the microphones on right now while the game is in overtime because I want to talk about this disgusting football game so bad. We're like in that break in between the morning games and the afternoon games, and I just feel this burning inclination to throw on the microphones and start talking about Jets and Giants because this football game is atrocious. Just atrocious. The fact the Giants were winning in the first place was stupid, despite the fact that, uh, what's his name? What is it? Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito was the starting quarterback for the New York football Giants going into the second half because uh, after Tyrod Taylor threw, and I'm not even joking, eight passing yards, Tyrod Taylor got injured and had to leave the game for the New York Giants. He went to a hospital to get his, I believe, chest checked out. I don't want to say ribs exactly because I know the last time Tyrod Taylor had a rib injury, his lungs got punctured, and so I might be doing like the conflating injuries thing. But Tyrod Taylor threw eight passing yards, and then he left the game with injury and went to a local hospital. And uh, Tommy DeVito came in and threw four incompletions on his first four possessions of the game. And the New York football Jets just pissed this football game away. Pissed it away. Despite the fact... Despite the fact that the New York Jets were playing Tommy DeVito, they had seven points in the entire game until Kirk Cousins' purgatory time when Zach Wilson was down by three, no timeouts, length of the field to go, 30 seconds, and he pulled some shit out to get the New York Jets in the field goal positioning like he was Patrick fucking Mahomes at the end of the playoff game against Buffalo, just pulled out the this incredible comeback with 20 seconds to go against a Giants defense that had played so well all game. They had just gotten a stop on the Jets, had just gotten a stop. And what ended up happening? The Giants got the ball with fourth and one with 20 seconds to go, and they didn't put the ball in the end zone. By the way, Tommy DeVito had zero passing yards in the entire game. He didn't throw, he didn't complete a single goddamn pass the entire game. And after he took over as the starting quarterback, Tommy DeVito outscored the Jets 7 to 0 despite the fact he didn't complete a single pass. A single fucking pass. And they had the win. They just needed to pick up one goddamn yard on fourth down, and they didn't do it. And the Jets got the ball, and they tied the game, and it's in overtime, and all of this feels disgusting. And so despite the fact that I want to do a eulogy for both of these goddamn teams, the Jets might be 4-3 and at the end of all of this bullshit. And so we got to just do a eulogy for the New York Giants, who I don't care if the Giants win in overtime. I don't care how that game ends. The Giants, you don't deserve to be here because one, with Tommy DeVito not completing a pass, you almost beat the Jets. That was stupid enough. And then two, you threw the fucking game away in the final minute. So you know what? Here today, we're going to do a New York Giants eulogy. Jets, you live for two more weeks. I'll see you in November. Giants, we're putting an end to the fucking season right now. Negative eight passing yards. Negative eight 
passing yards at one point in that football game. And so I want to just eulogize the Jets right now, but the Jets still might make the playoffs. It'll be a meaningless playoff spot if they get there, but there's still a world where the Jets could make the playoffs. So we can't really eulogize the Jets right now. But what we can fortunately do is stop talking about the godforsaken New York Giants. And and since we're going to talk about the godforsaken New York Giants, who I said going into this time last year, or sorry, this time two years ago, we officially welcomed the Giants to a second consecutive decade of irrelevance. Two decades of irrelevance for the New York football Giants on the way. And I want to put this out there again. The Giants won a bullshit playoff game last year. I didn't think the Giants would win a playoff game for 20 years after winning that championship. They won a bullshit playoff game last year against the Vikings. And if you are a Giants fan, calling it a bullshit playoff game probably sounds disrespectful. I'm not being disrespectful. Your team went 9-7-1 and last year and happened to play in an NFC where there were only three good teams in the entire conference. And so congratulations, you were the fourth team that was uh, uh, obligatorily had to go to the divisional round. Again, there were only three good teams in the NFC last year. Some fourth team had to get forced through to the divisional round. It was you, New York Giants. Congratulations. A bullshit playoff win is a bullshit playoff win. I will not take that away from y'all. Y'all won a bullshit playoff game, and winning bullshit playoff games is hard to do. Congratulations, you did great. With that being said, this is why the New York Giants were such a bullshit team last year. is because they won a shit ton of one-score games. If you flip a single result in London where they were down 20-0 to against the Packers and the Packers blew a 20-point second-half lead to the Giants. If you flip that one single result, the Giants missed the playoffs last year at 8-8-1. Eight, eight, and one. They fall apart this year, and you're talking about Brian Dayball being fired, and you're talking about Joe Schoen, the general manager, being fired for the terrible contracts that they gave to Daniel Jones and Darren Waller trading for him well past his prime, which in fairness, they ate the, the Raiders ate a bunch of that money to move off of him, so it wasn't the worst move in the world. But Darren Waller has given them nothing. Their passing attack has given them nothing. And, and granted, they are very good at running the football. Saquon Barkley's health has meant they're able to move the ball up and down the field. But this is the worst team in the National Football League, according to DVOA. They are 29th in offense. They are 28th in defense. This is the worst football team in the NFL by performance this year. And now some rando named Tommy DeVito is their quarterback for the foreseeable future. And uh, the New York Giants, if not for a bullshit playoff run last year, would be talking about firing Brian Dayball. Unfortunately, Brian Dayball is a former coach of the year, and that's going to buy him at least four years with this program that's kind of just running in circles right now. And granted, their defense played very well against the Jets. Granted, it was the Jets' offense, but their defense did in fact hold the Jets to under 40 yards rushing until the fourth quarter like the the Giants defense played very well against the New York Jets want to acknowledge that part as well but the Giants as a football team should be one and six because of that Fugazi because one Tommy DeVito was their quarterback against the Jets and two they were down 28-0 against the Arizona Cardinals and the Arizona Cardinals defense 
just let them back into the game. Like, if Tyrod Taylor's quarterbacking the Giants at that point, they probably, now they maybe come back in that game. But the point standing, they should have one win on the season at this point. They are one of the worst teams in the NFL, and injuries are going to be a reason why they are as bad as they are, but they're not going to be the reason why the New York Giants are such a terrible team. And look, you signed up for three years of Daniel Jones as your quarterback, and like we talked about a few weeks ago with Juju Talk Sports, like Daniel Jones has been holding up his end of the bargain for most of the season. Now, after that, he threw a bunch of interceptions against the 49ers, and then he got injured. Tyrod Taylor came in and played a little bit better than Daniel Jones. But yeah, Daniel Jones is playing like the 21st best quarterback in the NFL that he is, and the Giants decided this was so unfindable again that they had to bring back Daniel Jones after one year where he played like the 12th best quarterback in the NFL instead of the 21st best quarterback in the NFL. And that's really all I have to say about the New York football Giants. Like This thing isn't going to turn around without them getting better players on offense. Even last year's team that was 9-7-1, and got lucky in a shit ton of one-score games. And the easiest one I can point to is if we flip that one single result from last year with the New York football giants, flip one single result of they were down by 20 against the Green Bay Packers in London against a Packer team that on paper was clearly more skilled than the New York Giants. And they showed this at the end of the season by winning five of their last six games before losing the last game of the year to Detroit, a game that would have gotten them to the playoffs, a game that might have led to them beating the 49ers in a playoff game last year. Like the the Packers should have been the team that was in there instead of the New York Giants. The Packers won five of their last six games, including beating the Dolphins with Tua, and they lost to the Detroit Lions in the last game of the season, a Detroit Lions team that, last time I checked, is 15-3 and in their last 18 games. So, like, yeah, this Detroit Lions team is actually really, really good also. And the Giants got a bullshit playoff win last year. Congratulations to you for winning a bullshit playoff game. And now they really don't have any recourse for improvement because the New York Giants, if they had flipped that one single result... Brian Dayball would be talking about getting fired. They would be talking about rebuilding this thing from the ground up like they were already thinking of doing when they fired Joe Judge back at the end of 2021. But instead, they're just going to keep treading water with this group of guys that are below average by NFL standards. The best players on their team are below average compared to the average superstar player of an NFL team. And they recommitted to a lot of those players like Dexter Lawrence, like Andrew Thomas, like Daniel Jones, surprisingly not Saquon Barkley, but maybe they'll give Saquon Barkley an extension this offseason. This is what the Giants doubled down on. What they've doubled down on is a team that under the best run of Giants football in the last decade, and it's been a bleak-ass decade for Giants football, in the best run of Giants football over a two-year span in the last decade, they are still a below 500 team. Still 11 wins, 16 losses, one tie. The best stretch of Giants football in the last 12 years. Since they won the Super Bowl in 2012, the last 12 seasons, the Giants' best run of football has been this last year and a half with Brian Dayball, and they're still a below 500 team. So what does that tell you about the 
drafting that they've done, the player evaluation that they've done, and the team that they're putting out there on the field now. And hopefully this will be the last time that we talk about the New York football Giants for the remainder of the season, because their year is just about done. And Tommy DeVito is going to be their quarterback throwing zero passing yards a game and somehow still had the Jets beat, outscored them 7-0, despite the fact that DeVito did not complete a pass and it was just at the end of the game. I'm looking at it right now. The Jets ended up winning in overtime on a field goal, by the way, Greg Zerline field goal that looked like it was missed wide to the left. Even the game-winning kick for the Jets looked like the kick didn't go in. I think we can say it right now. That is, that is the worst football game that's been played all season. I, th- I think we can we can chalk that up right now. That That was the worst football game we have seen all season. And because the Jets are for some fucking reason four and three, we can't write them off and eulogize them in October, despite the fact that on paper their play merits the fact that we can write them off here in October. But we can definitely write off the New York Giants now, because despite the fact that their quarterback didn't complete a single pass in the second half, they should have won. And so, how how messed up is that existence for Giants fans? Despite the fact your quarterback did not complete a single pass, you still choked away a game that you had one yard away from victory. How brutal is that? How brutal is that reality for the New York Giants fan? And And despite the fact that you won a bullshit playoff game last year, let me again welcome you to a continuation of a second decade of irrelevance for the New York Giants. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, it's that time of week where we hand out the Philip Rivers Memorial Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award, an award that is handed out every single NFL week to a team that finds themselves in Kirk Cousins Purgatory, down six, no timeouts, one minute to play, and needing to go the length of the field. It's been a running joke for three years on the show, trying to at first count how many times Kirk Cousins found himself in Kirk Cousins Purgatory. By the way, the running total we have right now is sitting at 17 within the last two and a half seasons for Kirk Cousins. Uh, 17 games have ended with him down four to six points with one minute to play, zero timeouts, and needing to go the length of the field. His opponents have been in Kirk Cousins Purgatory about four to five times, depending on your interpretation. But every week we we keep track of the Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award. And uh, we have an update first from week seven. I said during last week there wasn't a true Kirk Cousins Purgatory situation last week. Well, there was on Monday Night Football. It was against Kirk Cousins when the 49ers found themselves inexplicably down seven no timeouts, one minute to play, and needing to go the length of the field, we did have ourselves a nice little Kirk Cousins purgatory situation 
with Brock Purdy, a concussed Brock Purdy, but Brock Purdy nonetheless in Kirk Cousins' purgatory playing against Kirk Cousins. They were down six with no timeouts, one minute to play. Brock Purdy threw an interception to seal the game, so unfortunately it did not work out for the 49ers, but it did lead to a Kirk Cousins victory. So congratulations to you, Kirk Cousins. This week, I mentioned Zach Wilson earlier, down three points, no timeouts, one minute to play. Well, he was down three with 30 seconds, no timeouts, and that one could qualify as a Kirk Cousins purgatory situation if we didn't have a true Kirk Cousins purgatory situation on the dot this week. Taylor Heineke, Atlanta Falcons, against the Houston Oiler Tennessee Titan jerseys. Taylor Heineke found himself down five, one and a half minutes to play, no timeouts, going the length of the field, and his wide receiver dropped a pass to lose the game. Right through his hands on fourth down. They could have kept the Kirk Cousins purgatory rolling. Instead, the drop went right through his hands, and the Falcons lose. So now Desmond Ritter has won Kirk Cousins purgatory this season, and now Taylor Heineke, his backup, has a Kirk Cousins purgatory this season. It's the first time a starter and a backup in the same season both found themselves in Kirk Cousins purgatory, and that's the perpetual state of the mediocre Atlanta Falcons. So congratulations to Taylor Heineke. You, this week, were the Kirk Cousins purgatory award winner. Which, by the way, while we're talking about that incredible football game between the Atlanta Falcons and the Houston Oiler Tennessee Titans jerseys that were very confusing because I guess they used to be the Tennessee Oilers for about two seasons when they moved before rebranding as the Titans. Let me just say, have a day, DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins had no touchdowns all season long for the Tennessee Titans. He had some catches, some yards, as the Titans offense is inclined to do. The Titans offense runs the ball first, game manages Ryan Tannehill, a subpar quarterback who they are paying $35 million per year, and they lose Ryan Tannehill to injury, And Will Levis is now the starting quarterback for the Tennessee Titans for the foreseeable future, like they had planned on when they drafted Will Levis in the first place, was that eventually he would be the person who replaced Ryan Tannehill. At the end of of this season, if you look at the financials, they have a pretty good opportunity to move off of Ryan Tannehill. But we were joking earlier in the year, like the Titans wide receiver room had kind of become like what the Colts quarterback room used to be like which was in trading A.J. Brown, the Titans decided we can find older players who we can try and squeeze one last ride out of. Like the Colts, after Andrew Luck retired, they went Jacoby Brissett, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan in four consecutive seasons. The... Indianapolis Colts kept switching quarterbacks like it was nobody's business. Once a year, new aging veteran quarterback who they could pay a lot of money to and see if they could squeeze a little bit out of him for one more year. 
since trading A.J. Brown, and even a little bit before trading A.J. Brown, they went, tried to revive Julio Jones's career in 2021. Didn't work out the way they had hoped. Uh, it wasn't really a bad trade. They gave up a second and a fifth rounder for Julio Jones. It just didn't work out the way that they had hoped for. They went Julio Jones in 2021, Robert Woods in 2022, Robert Woods leaves at the end of the first year, Julio Jones leaves at the end of the first year, and then they tried DeAndre Hopkins as a way to replace the production of A.J. Brown. And if you remember correctly, the the trade that the Titans made was they got a first-round pick for A.J. Brown, and then they spent that first-round pick on Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks has not been able to be healthy. Traylon Burks has not been the first-round pick that they were hoping he would be. And Traylon Burks is essentially like a wide receiver three at this point on a team that doesn't throw the football more than like bottom 25% of the league. Like they do not throw the football because their offense is Hall of Fame running back who we're just going to grind up and get every last bit out of them. Even this win against the, the Falcons, the Titans had 22 carries from Derrick Henry for 101 yards. And the Titans had going into this week fewer receiving yards among receivers than the entire A.J. Brown season by himself. Their entire receiving room had fewer yards per completion than A.J. Brown by himself. In total yards of offense, the Titans receivers had fewer 30 fewer yards than A.J. Brown by himself. The Titans had the 22nd ranked offense going into the week against the Atlanta Falcons. And DeAndre Hopkins, who had zero touchdowns all season, had four catches, 128 yards, three touchdowns. Three of his four catches ended in touchdowns. Average of 32 yards per completion. Have yourself a goddamn day, DeAndre Hopkins. In the first game without Ryan Tannehill as his quarterback, DeAndre Hopkins finally breaks out and DeAndre Hopkins is clearly not the receiver he used to be but people forget that DeAndre Hopkins had a PED suspension last year and since that PED suspension it's kind of been like we've written off DeAndre Hopkins as a relevant NFL wide receiver after he returned from that PED suspension last year, from week six until Kyler Murray tore his ACL in week 13, in those seven weeks, DeAndre Hopkins had more receptions than any receiver in the NFL. Like those seven weeks, DeAndre Hopkins was really, really good last year. And since then, it's been he sat out the last two games of the season because the Cardinals weren't playing for anything. He knew he was on his way out of Arizona. Arizona knew they didn't want him back. A, a tough breakup between the two of them that left hard feelings on both sides. Steve Keim felt hard feelings about DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins felt hard feelings about the organization. And he got waived outright by the Cardinals and then decided to sign for the most money available because the Titans were not the best football situation for him. The Titans weren't even really a good football situation for him. This was the worst quarterback that he was ever going to play with in his career, and he played with some crappy quarterbacks in those first couple of years with the Texans. DeAndre Hopkins was going to the worst situation for a receiver that he had been in during his entire career, and DeAndre Hopkins had not 
scored a touchdown in the seven games with Ryan Tannehill. And despite the fact that Derrick Henry was putting up excellent numbers, Ryan Tannehill found him, uh, the Titans found themselves with the 22nd ranked offense in NFL. And it wasn't going great until they brought in Will Levis and took the top off of some defenses. And look, Will Levis, I don't know what Will Levis is. He had a very good game in his first NFL start. Good on you, Will Levis. Some other rookies that played today, Bryce Young played against C.J. Stroud. Neither of them had as many touchdowns as Will Levis had throwing to DeAndre Hopkins in a Titans offense that pounded the Atlanta Falcons, who are, like we talked about before, a perfectly average football team. Like, Will Levis played very, very well, good on Will Levis, but the thing that was pretty obvious is that it unlocked DeAndre Hopkins. So like I said, have yourself a day, DeAndre Hopkins, because as soon as he had a decent quarterback for the first time in 17 games, DeAndre Hopkins had a three-touchdown day with 32 yards per reception. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. We've got episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. You can check us out with an archive of 1,000-plus podcast episodes, 1,300-and-something podcasts that I think only 600 of them are available to you. But there's a whole archive at Believe's website you can check out. We appreciate all of you for your continued support of the show. Uh, Leave those five-star reviews, downloads, any and all support. Greatly, greatly appreciated over here. We will talk to you again on Wednesday. And in the meantime, take it easy. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.